Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we pray this morning that you would use this service on Father's Day to impact the lives of your people, not only the ones that are here present, but the ones that are watching through live stream. I pray, oh God, that the message would be would resonate in the heart of all men and women that they would be able to discern that they would be able to recognize that they would be able to receive not information but the father's blessing the transformation that occurs when we connect with these men that you have put in our lives that are called fathers and that our inheritance and our identity and our disposition would be such that it brings joy to your heart when you can say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So that we're upon the earth connected to the realities that we see in your word so that we could walk as your people upon the earth. Now give us understanding, give us wisdom, give us revelation, give us repentance. Let us reconnect and return to the Father's heart, to the Father's house, to the Father's embrace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I, I want to start with this verse, and, and remember that the Old Testament is, is a very unusual, um, very unusual, a lot of stuff that's in the Old Testament is so unusual that some people discount they're like, we're not even going to read the Old Testament. It's too confusing. It's a lot of symbolism. Um, but look at this verse here and try to ask God, and I'm going to ask these men of God, what they perceive to be behind God's disposition to speak to his people with this, with this word. Um, and we'll read it, and then uh, I'm going to let Bishop Boone... Just go in any direction that he sees fit. Even if he thinks the verse is nonsense, I want him to tell me and, and go on to what he has on his heart to share so we don't waste time this morning. But it's Deuteronomy chapter 23, and the verse is verse 2. One of illegitimate birth. That means no connection with a father. Shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generations, his descendants shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. As I perceive this, God says, no one is going to come to my house to worship if he's not connected to a father. And his children will be disconnected for 10 generations. Bishop. That's, a, that's an awesome verse. And um, I will ask you to turn to uh, Isaiah 62. And then uh, Isaiah 58, 12. Isaiah 62 and Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. 
Luke 4 and the first four verses of those all deal with this particular topic of what he's talking about, which really is generational transfer. Um, so you, in birth, you have a male or boy, then you have a man, and then if God allows, you have a husband, and then if God allows, there is union of the marriage bed, and there's conception, and you become a father. Every one of those levels require a level of God's knowledge. Like just as a boy, eventually, you have a, a parent. But in Adam's case, he never was a boy. God created him a, a man right away and gave him responsibility so, and, and an assignment. So whatever he was in becoming and doing what God required, the whole earth was to become. So if I can broaden you just a minute with this thought, which I mentioned last week, Every family is a world. Okay? I'm just saying, and that's the, that's the basics. Adam's family became the world. You and I have come from the one blood, which it says in Acts 17, 26, we are of the Adamic lineage. So whether or not you are Latino and I'm black American or, or the American people, they can deal with the different cultural separations, but Adam is genetically our father. So there is the natural biology of what would have happened was generational transfer. Whatever, whatever Adam was, his wife was to become. You know, I've made the point with this Adam and his wife, Adam after sinning, never said, I'm sorry. His wife never said, I'm sorry. Now look what he's producing. So Cain and Abel. So now Cain, guess what? He's challenged by God. He never said, I'm sorry. Now if I go all the way to America right now, they're dealing with critical race theory. Um, they're dealing with the issue of what they call systemic racism. They don't get it yet. The basic premise of America in relation to blacks is they never said, I'm sorry. In other words, identity, value, and recognition. When you admit what you've done and then want to restore the desolations of the generations. So what do you find in present day time? Denial, right? That was Adam. The woman whom thou hast given me. You see? The woman, the serpent. They never took responsibility. So once you become, right from a boy, you're trained by a father in this generational transfer. So he teaches you to take on certain responsibilities. You, you graduate, go through education and all these things, and hopefully you protect how they're educated, that the people you're sending your children to aren't usurping from the principles you taught them in the home and that you lived out. And then they become not just, they're already a male, but now they become a man. So the difference between being a male, a male can have sex with a woman, but if they don't take responsibility, if there is conception, then you're just a male, you're not a man, because a man takes responsibility, because that's how God created man, to take responsibility. And so that's where you're at. So because he didn't take responsibility, we have a whole culture. So if you look at the emancipation, they're talking right now about Juneteenth. See, I'm, he, he shouldn't have asked me to just go for it like that. But, but if you read in one of my books, I don't know which one, 
Um, Ms. Ellenwood wrote me and told me which one, but I talked about the emancipation of Abraham Lincoln. No, it's in my basic black journal. And it was 1863, He's, emancipation happened. It didn't get to uh, manifest itself to 1865, but it was two years before Texas got it. So you understand? So now they call the Jubilee, which is analogous, that's what the blacks were waiting for, is for the emancipation that happened. It actually happened at midnight. And so it wasn't Juneteenth. These people finally, finally feel like, you not just set me free, you have given me value, identity. So now I am different from you. Sure I am. But I, I was raised on the premises of what you are as a people. Whoever brought me over here, whoever trained me, that's who I am because I was trained by you. Well, I'm going to go back just for the scriptures. If you read each one of those scriptures I gave you and so of course it's on tape, that's actually what it's about. Jesus came to restore the desolations of the generations. So you have to ask yourself, what is he talking about? He's talking about broken down buildings, the fact that Israel was, you, you, was thrown out of their promised land, that it was laid flat. Well, under Roman captivity, Jesus came under Roman captivity. He, he set them free spiritually, but he let them stay bound physically. They were under Rome. Israel was under Rome. But he said, it's finished. You and I got to know the difference between what's finished spiritually and the practicality that we're going through. Because what you're going through right now as a family says to God how you would lead a world. So if you let your children do nonsense because you're afraid that you're going to lose them, you've already lost them to God. Because you don't look at your obligation as unto God. You train them, train your child up in the way it should be. What's he talking about? The Bible. So you, you become the child of God yourself. So you're a man that's responsible. Now you become a father. You raise them up not only on your precepts but on your practices. So here you are. So you got to ask yourself, are you holding your kids accountable to your prayer time? One of the great, my son is here. My, matter of fact, my whole family, stand up. There you go. Please stand up really quick. Because there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming over here and honoring their daddy on Father's Day. So I appreciate, I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, I really do. And my oldest son, that's my oldest, Jason, he took over the situation with my, uh, his mama and in a way that perhaps I couldn't have done it. And I am so thrilled with him. I told him even yesterday, thank you for not just being a male, but being a man. Thank you for not just being a man, but being a man of God, holding the line on standards. He's holding the line. So I, I thank God for that. But spiritually, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 58, if you're the kind of person that capitulates under pressure, which is what you're seeing right now a lot, the capitulation, meaning they're giving in. Instead of saying, no, this man, the thing that these men who travel with them, now this is what Krista says about you. She says, when I came here and I went to college at my University of Miami, and I came to this church, she says, it was like I was sitting down listening to you preach. Now I'm going to tell you, this is the chief, these, he traveled with me some. I had a posse every time. There were scores of men, not women. I didn't ask the women. The men were with promise keepers. So much so, they wanted to run me out. So why do you have all these men with you? Well, why don't you have some with you? Because these men were being trained. So eventually I realized in the city that I was in, I didn't just keep them in the church. I wanted to find out who had the word as the primary essence of their being. Who was called to put the word out in the field that they were in. 
So then I ended up consecrating the reason Bishop Hunt you met last week. He was an attorney, but he was asked, he was working anyway, I won't go into that. But he knew that his first assignment was to put the word out. But he saw an example of that. He saw a non-compromised standard that stood flat-footed in the face of all the accusations right now. Now, the way that they're receiving him, because he said after he finished yesterday, they received him. Even if they didn't receive him, the truth of what he's saying is lodging down because of the spirit in their innermost being. And they're going to be held responsible for what he said by the spirit to them ultimately. But God allowed them to hear a non-compromising standard presently. So they could be right, get their families right, and then get to heaven and God could give them rewards because when you heard the truth, you adhered to the truth. So, so, but look, so I was playing golf with this guy and he was standing too far away from the ball. And the guy who was playing with me told him, he said, you're standing too far away. And so when you, so he realized that because you're pushing the thing to the right, you're hitting it to the right. So he set up to hit the ball. He still was away. So I said, okay, I'll join with you in this. You are, you're still too far away. She says, he says, but I feel too uncomfortable being close up. I said, exactly. Because if you feel comfortable the way you're standing, you haven't changed anything. You, you see, and the challenge with the church is they only want to hear what's comfortable, but he doesn't represent that to them. He represents what's uncomfortable because truth is power. And if you want to be great in the future, you got to be unlike what you are now. You got to hear a message that takes you someplace where you don't belong. And if it doesn't challenge you, then you still are not being shaped. The challenge, the shaping comes from the challenge. I'll just stop there for right now. Pastor Kenny, chime in. <laughs> Praise God, and happy Father's Day to all the men here. Um, you know, along the same lines, uh, like uh, Bishop was talking about, a lot of us, we look and blame the culture. Uh, we blame um, everything that's going on around us, and we say that's the problem. But the truth is, the land gets cursed when the man is absent. And it started in the garden when the Lord went looking for Adam in, in Genesis 3, 8. And he said, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he was looking for Adam. He was looking for a man. The same question that the single girls looking for is looking. I'm looking for that man I'm to, to marry the right man. Adam, where are you? And um, it's the same pain, it's the same question of the single parent that, that's been abandoned by a father who's abandoned her children. Is asking the same thing, Adam, where are you? And that's the curse of the land. It's that child that's growing up with an absent father and he's asking the question, Adam, where are you? And, um, but worst of all, you see, what we're reading here in, Gen in Genesis 3, let's put it there, Genesis 3, 8. The worst of all is that the one asking the question here is God saying, Adam, where are you? And so man has fleed from the presence of God and has abandoned the call of God. And so that is the curse of the land. And it's the same thing in Ezekiel twenty two thirty when the Lord said, I was looking for a man. 
who would stand in the gap. God was looking for a man who would stand in the gap. And he says, I couldn't find it. So I should not destroy it. But I found nobody. So there's a curse on the land when there's no man to be found. And that's what we're living today. We're living, this is the fruit of our country, our culture. It's the absence of man. Yes, you're not just talking about a male. You're talking about a man. I'm talking about a man. That's right. And in, um, and in Malachi 4, 6, he said there's going to be a messenger who's going to come, who's going to restore the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. And it says, so that I will not have to curse the land. This isn't a, this isn't something to play around with. It's something very serious. And it requires, and it starts with a man being present, not fleeing from the presence of God, but running to the presence of God and bringing that presence to the family, to the home, so that, there, that the land wouldn't be cursed, but the land, the land would be blessed. And it starts here in the church. And that's what we're doing here this morning. And that's what we're do That's where we've been teaching in our church. This is our calling as a church: is to raise up men to stand in the gap, so that the land would be blessed, so that your homes would be blessed, so that our country would be blessed, so that our culture would be blessed. We've got to be that lighthouse. We've got to be that hope to the world. Thank you, sir. You're saying there's a curse in the earth, and the reason the curse is in the earth is because the absence of men. Because men aren't where they belong. That's right. So you mean you mean where they belong physically? No. Where they're at spiritually. Okay. So your call to these men is to do is to do what? Well, is for them not to throw in the towel, not to quit. Not to give excuses, but to lay down their life. And it really comes down to dying to yourself. Come on now. Okay. So it's, it's about saying, it's not what I want. It's what the Lord wants for my life. Marriages work. I'll tell you the, ba the best principle you could ever have. If there's one thing you say, I need to have this in my marriage. I need to have this in my home. Is living a selfless life. Okay. Saying, I'm going to live for my spouse. I'm going to serve my spouse. I'm going to serve my children. It's when you die to yourself. But the opposite is what's occurring in this culture. It's what's occurring in this world. And that's why there's a curse. Men want to live for their own pleasure. And so it's about laying down your life. One of my concerns... Um, a good 10 years ago was if I'm not in the place where I need to be the blessing of the Lord that's supposed to go through me to my children it's not going to come so there are there are aspects of fatherhood that are essential into passing down to our descendants so I said okay but let's not be so hard on yourself you're 80% where you're supposed to be and 20% you're not but that's stripping my children from 20% of what God has for them if I'm not where exactly I need to be before the Lord. So it's, it's not only a physical location, it's a spiritual reality. And, and this thing about Deuteronomy 23 verse 2 where it says, I don't want any illegitimate people to come into my house. 
could uh, be a curse if you don't understand what God calls illegitimate. And so we'll move into a clearer revelation of what illegitimacy is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, where he says, uh, verse 8, if you're without discipline, you've become, uh, of which all have become partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. If you're not open to somebody calling your attention, you rendered yourself illegitimate. God says he doesn't want anybody who doesn't want to be corrected to be in the assembly of God. And we have a generation of people that come in and out of church and they don't dare let anybody correct them, discipline them, chasten them. So they render themselves illegitimate sons of God. That word illegitimate there in the Greek is nothos. You are nothos. <laughs> which means you become nothing because you're not becoming who I'm forging through a father for you to be to receive an inheritance. So this, this is a, a real powerful thing. And, and we have a generation now because the father is absent that they think that in knowing more than the father, gathering information and garnering more knowledge will render them a son but what renders you a son is having the father's blessing. And nothing in this world, we put you in a boarding school and give you three meals a day, give you clothing, give you shelter, give you an education, and you miss out being a son, you missed it all. Because God wants you to be transformed, and that's what I told the men yesterday. We have made a lot of churches places of information to give, render people knowledge, but not transformation because they don't want to be sons. And so it says for a season, I believe it's Galatians chapter four. Um, it says for a season, a son is nothing more than a slave. His life is a life of obedience so that he could be entrusted with the inheritance, with what God wants to put in his hands. So Bishop, continue. Yeah. That's huge what he's saying. As I looked at that passage he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 8, it says, but if you without chastening, uh, of which, now, we, don't, we, we pretty much know uh, practical chastening like you spanking your children, but what does it mean to be spanked spiritually? Because, and where does it take you? It, well, the answer is, as you read further, furthermore, says, we have had human fathers who corrected us, so we understand that, and we paid them respect shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live so he's not talking about just live biologically but he includes that because if you don't follow the life that's been given by the father he's placed over you i not only see him as a father of a church but to produce sons because what he said was the hebrew thinking in that passage of galatians chapter four um a son, though he be heir, uh, is put under tutors and governance at the time appointed of the father. But though he be a child, different nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. In other words, because he refuses to grow up, he can't take the inheritance. And, and in our lives, if we don't think we need to be corrected, then you must already be there. So here's the point. 
if you have it all, then show it all. If you can't show it all, the grace of God is to put somebody over you who can give you the truth to give you these new watermarks, these new places that the leader is only bringing out to you. You say yes to it, but the Holy Spirit becomes the helper to bring you someplace you couldn't get to on your own. So then he says strong things like, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some has. So I want to just make a point of that. There are some people who criticize the church, but the greatest place to gather other than in your home with your family is with the saints. Because let me just say this to you, that gathering with your biological family is temporary, but gathering with the saints is permanent. If you don't put a value on coming to church, then you don't understand the, the premise of it. Because we're going to be at the voice of God and the archangel blowing of the trumpet. We're going to be called away. And all of us are going to be there. And God told Israel, I want you to do three major feasts. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. These were three major feasts. And he was, in effect, preparing Israel for the great catching away that the church becomes the antitype of the type. Those feasts were never better than going to church and having somebody give you a God said to have somebody who represents consecration. Because if you continue to read in this verse, look what it says, because this is where this takes you. He says, for they indeed for a few days chasing us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his what? Holiness. Now, I know a lot of people who are saved from hell, but they still live like the devil. And what I mean is, what I said to you about our children, I said, we can't keep talking about my wife's circumstances in the natural things that doctors and nurses are saying. Because that's not the foundation of her life. The, the reason for her to stay alive isn't because we want her to stay alive because I don't have anybody sleeping with me because we can't go to advi get advice. No, no. The reason that she should stay alive is that one, God hasn't finished forming her into the image of what he wants out of her, which in the next world is not going to be male or female. The nature and character of Christ is not a woman or a man. That, that, that man, that God man, creates men and women. So there's something going on here with all this discussion that's way beyond you having a good family and nice children and making a lot of money. This is way more important to participate in his holiness. What Jose was saying earlier about traveling and this church, the reason to celebrate the church is because God said, you are where I inhabit. He's not inhabiting the physical building until you get here. Because you brought him with you. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. So now you give value to this building, to this location, to the whole city. Somebody fathers this city. What somebody is saying is the progenitor of what this city is going to become. Now all that nonsense that you see that's been talked about in Miami and all that perversion, that perverse stuff that's going on down there, somebody fathered that. Somebody said, it's all right to do that. Somebody said, we were at dinner, went to Garcia's. They took me to Garcia's. Thank you again, I want to just say, I sent you a text, but thank you again. Took me to Garcia's. But those yachts were coming by, and they saw some of that. The women were on there showing their stuff and doing all that. Somebody fathered that. 
Somebody told him it was all right. So to get all right, somebody got to father it. But you're going to get a challenge. The devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, what? Not you, but the premise of who you represent and stand for. You got to face it and look him straight in the eye and say, that's nonsense. The devil, you have the devil. Now, what I was going to say about that Jose was saying, like this church and God's raising it up and why it's so powerful here is because he's raising up not just individual holy people, but a church that will represent holiness. This is not law from the outside. This is transformation from the inside. If I can't cast the devil out of you, I'm going to beat the devil out of you. But the devil is coming out of you right here. That's what it says. And so, but what I want to recognize is Jesus told his disciples, I have them that you know not, that are of this fold that you know not. Meaning that no matter how great we are, there's somebody somewhere greater. The judgment is he hasn't let you meet them. Not that you're better than they are. No, that you always going to be able to grow. You celebrate where you are, but you plead with God like he hasn't taken you anywhere. The other thing is when Elijah came up to, uh, who was it? Elijah. Yeah, came up to God when he was running from uh, Jezebel, was it? And he said, I'm the only one left. Nobody's here. I kept your word. I've done your word. And the Lord said to him, what? What? That's nonsense. He says, I have a city over here that hasn't bowed their knee and kissed or kissed the feet of Baal. Here's the point. The things that God is doing may be greater than the people you know. A judgment is that God is moving somewhere way beyond where you're willing to go to. That's why you got him. Because he quit something to become something else. And now he's going, I, was, I, I know about that. When I went to Germany, he also went to Germany and faced those people down for seven minutes. Now, I'll, I'll say this out. Now, I'm old, right? I'm old, and I don't care. People say, you're not, I'm old, don't worry about it. I'm still living for God hard. I wouldn't have done what he did for seven minutes. There are people who ask me to come speak for 20 minutes. It's big, it's big places. I've been over there to Colorado Springs, to Ted Haggard's church when he had 15,000. I've been there. But if he asked me to do it for seven minutes, I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I have a greater value. I'd rather be before God in prayer in a session than to be before those many people for seven minutes. But him, uh, he's an animal. He, he's an animal. He said, I'm not getting on the airplane. I'm not doing it. First class, I don't care what class. I'm not going there. If you don't put a value to me to give me more time. He's saying God can do in seven minutes what it may take Bishop Boone like an hour to do. See? Because I'm totally long-winded. I got a lot. So when you've been like this long, fasted, and got before God, and still get before God, and don't know where I'm supposed to take all of it, I'm ready to do it right now. Even with my wife sick, I'm available Right now, right now, to go anywhere, God says, because I got stuff down inside of me that's never been said to anybody yet. And if I say it to people that's not ready, he might, he might cut my lifespan short. Profiling and ego tripping about trying to be deep teaching nonsense. And he talks about that in here, too. That's not me. I'm just finding what is real and trying to live every bit of it out in a way where it can be seen. And then be able to give an answer for what has been revealed to me and don't listen to nonsense. So when the nurses say, your wife looks, you know, she's not doing that, she's not eating, 
My son stands with me and says, no, she ate in the other place. You need to feed her differently. Uh, when, and then one of my sons, Bishop, called me up and said, his son called me up and said, my dad just got down to 127 pounds in intensive care. He weighed like 160 before, and he, we thought he was going to die. And he asked me, this is, I didn't even hardly realize it, hold the line with him. He was in intensive care. I said, I'm believing God with you. Just two of us will agree is touching anything. I agreed. The man is 160 now. He calls me up. He calls me up yesterday, and he says to me, he Bishop, we like the way you stand. He didn't know that inside of me, I'm fighting devils. I'm fighting what I see in the natural. I'm fighting what doctors are telling me. I'm fighting what nurses are saying. I'm fighting what I'm seeing. And so, But he said a word. I was 127. I'm 160. I couldn't walk. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't put myself on, on, on my own clothes on. I couldn't uh, go to the restroom by myself. He says, but now I'm doing it all right now. And so your God will heal your wife. And so I'm going to stand on that. I'm not standing on what the doctors say, what I feel, what I've seen, because God is looking at me right now and seeing that under trial, am I the same person as when all this stuff is flowing down in here? So I believe he's calling you to a divine level of God. See, nobody can take your place anyway. Right. Nobody can take your place. But why be below the standard? Why not believe for what God can do, not for just what you can do? So if you're in an environment where you get challenged every week, can't wait to get here. Every day. Every day. Can't wait to get here. He's like this. So we get alone. We have hardly never. He hasn't told me anything about the playoffs, the basketball playoffs. I mean, come on, I'm a brother, and most <laughs> brothers are in there. He didn't talk to me about New York getting beat, New Jersey getting beat last night. No, he comes in here and said, the meeting was great because he knew what? I want, I want to hear about that. Then I want to hear about what did you say? How did they receive it? Did they get challenged by it? He said, oh, I think so, I think so. I'm thinking, come on, tell me some more about it. Why? Because the generation needs a man that stands flat-footed to tell them the truth without compromise. But it's not just a man, it's a people. I do celebrate you. I'm glad that my children and all of them are here. My daughter's here. She's in a place of influence where she's at. My Where's son your daughter? Moved. My daughter, Nicole, stand up, Joyelle. Stand up, Joyelle. You're Joy moving Yell. to Miami? That, that's how you start she's rumors. She's down quick. She's in Tampa. That's, she's in Tampa. That's close enough. I know, but guess what? The okay. Lord's going to do it. Forget about well, it. Well, we'll believe God that from here, Tampa gets hit by the wave. Absolutely. Listen, life is short. Watch this. I want to I want to I want to emphasize this. Listen to his heart and it's a son's heart. Father, I want to be wherever you want me to be, doing whatever you want me to be. Doesn't matter where it takes, where it goes. That's the that's the, the yearning of a son. And so he comes and we know that's true. That's not only your yearning and you're in tears. You're in you're in Latino world here. You've not only do you want it, but you're doing it. You, you moved in this direction supernaturally because he's yearning to please the father and to be in the father's hands about the father's business. And then he gets here and we have these little standards around, right? We tuck in our shirts. He's 72 and he's, he's a son. His disposition is, where is the father's voice? I'm going to conform to wherever the Father is speaking, however it takes. 
I have people that are 17, 18, 20, 25, 30, 40, and would not have a son's heart to honor this father. And he's 72, and he came in here on Wednesday. He goes, hey, look at me. I got my shirt in. It's been, it's been decades I haven't put my shirt in. But he's in the father's house trying to conform to become a vessel in the father's hands. Listen to what it says in Romans 8, 19. All of creation wants to yearn to see somebody who's acting like a son before their father. The earnest expectation of all of creation eagerly awaits the revelation of the sons of God. So your disposition, don't get upset at me because I'm calling you to be a good son. And you know why you can't be a good son? Because you have a father wound. You have issues that are saying, I'm going to hold the line because you're not my father. But guess what? A father is one who corrects. So you tell me who's correcting you, and I'll tell you who God's using as your father. The voice of a father loves so much, he's willing to take the time out to correct your life so that you might be useful in the father's hands. So with my children, where there are the objects of, of our continual lessons, for years I would tell them, boys, you need to dress according to the dignity of who you are. They're like, yeah, dad, but we're not going nowhere. It's not about where you're going. It's who you are. So they blew me off for many years and decided we'd go to Texas a couple of years ago. And they decided they were some, some warm-ups. You know, they're going to be Crocs. They're going to be comfortable on that airplane. This is 2016. And all of them, all three of them, all the boys, you know, they're... they're they're, they're champions, but they challenge. And they dress like slobs going on that airplane. Now, they wouldn't say slobs, but if you're wearing Crocs on an airplane and you're comfortable, you're not ready to meet a president or a presidential candidate like Marco Rubio who came down the boardwalk in the airplane and saw three dummies dressed like they weren't going anywhere nor ready to meet anyone. They hadn't shaved. And I said, Marco Rubio, uh, presidential candidate potential, look at my three bums. They, they, were like, they were like running and they were like going under the tables. They're like, no, don't introduce me now. I'm not ready. Guess what? You're a son of God all the time. It's not when you're ready. It's God... God you're blowing God off. I'm too intense. That's crazy. They love that. They're like, Dad, why does God always make you right? <laughs> so I got a picture with Marco Rubio and three bums. <laughs> they decided not to shave that day. Their hair was, yeah, absolutely. You know, so since that day, they've told the line. Now they're walking way above, you know my sons, way above the, 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 the landscape of debauchery of people. Now, when we landed this morning, Pastor Richie told me this. He says, why do they treat us like we're a bunch of animals in those airplanes? They treat us like herds. They treat us like pigs. 
Pastor Richie was telling me this morning. I said, Pastor Richie, you don't understand. When I was a child and you got on an airplane, you wore your blessed clothes. You didn't get on that airplane in pajamas. Right. You're about to probably run into a senator or a businessman, and you're, you're, you're in travel, but you want to be dignified. Not now. You know why they treat us like animals on the airplane? Because we act like animals on the airplane. And so it's a whole different. And then he says, you know, you're right, because the cruise ships are the same. They used to be like some nice place to go, and now it's a mess. Because you create the atmosphere that you dwell. We had... Uh, an evangelist, Freeman, came in here. He's 63 years old a couple years ago. He, he travels a lot across the board, Mr. Freeman. And he came over here to preach on a Sunday morning. He came with torn jeans and an old T-shirt. And he goes, this is who I am. I go, yeah, but this is not the place where you come without honor. Dignify the place where you're invited to in a manner that's respectful. He goes, no, when I was a boy and I started being evangelist, a preacher told me, just to be myself. So I never up the ante. And that's a disgrace because you don't have a father correcting your nonsense so that you could go into the White House and be invited to places of dignity to take the message of dignity that God has given us. Anyways, I'm preaching to the choir. Well, that's good stuff. That is exactly but I appreciate you because you're 72. You tuck your shirt in. I've been preaching this for 20 years. Some knuckleheads out here still don't do it. No, they don't do it. They, it's all right. When you get your rewards in heaven and you get your solo system, they'll, they'll, they won't be like feeling bad. They'll just like be submissive way down there somewhere. But it's okay. You just keep going for it. But tell the story about the tie. I just love hearing you say that about coming into court. That's another thing. He's wearing a tie. Why? Because he wants to honor this house. And oh, I told him a story. I said that when I was practicing. <laughs> Looking good, though. Listen, they'll put them at the front of a magazine now, right? They're like, woo, Boone is throwing. Okay, watch this. Wait, um, I was practicing law. I was starting out my law practice. And wherever you get, wherever you do, and wherever you are, you get familiar. Like, I'm not going to, I'm dressed up. I'm, I'm going to the church. I, okay, whatever. So I got familiar with the courthouse because I'm a lawyer. And so I had something quick to do at the law, at the, at the tribunal. And I thought I would go by there and just real quickly go into the courtroom and just say, you know, judge, you know something, this case, and we need to and give some information and transact business with the judge in court. But it was like nanoseconds, 30 seconds, three minutes most. I walk in, and I know that I'm not doing what I need to do, how I've been taught to do it. So the judge says, Mr. Molina. I said, yeah, your honor, God bless you. How you doing? He goes, what are you doing in my courtroom? I said, look, I got something very quick to do, and I'm out of here. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to put you in jail. <laughs> Why are you going to put me in jail? Because you're disrespecting my court. Where's your tie? I had, a, I had a sports jacket. I had a nice shirt, but I didn't have a tie. I said, judge, keep that thought right there. I'll be right back. <laughs> And I went out of the courtroom, and I went to ask a friend for a tie. Then I came back, and I conducted business before your honor. And so I told that to Bishop. Before me a certain way, and, and God is kind of like that, but only it's inside. And the reason for conviction is so that you get the opportunity not to come under judgment by acknowledging to God by the power of the Holy Spirit where you're not in God.
So it doesn't matter, you know, I see yes, I, I have this title and stuff, but I'm always looking for the Holy Spirit to show me where I belong in God. And when, I, I've, when he shows it to me, which there is still a lot of stuff. And, and so like one of the ones recently I just was just saying to someone is me worried about the nurses, you know, cause whatever, and they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And I saw they didn't do this and they saw they didn't. And the Lord said, if she gets healed, it's me doing it. If she dies, it's me allowing it. Stop looking to the people in the natural and start looking to me. I'm the one that's going to do this. But more than dealing with her, I'm dealing with you. And you are acting inappropriate as somebody that I have called out. You need to hold the line on godliness and keep this thing between you and me and don't veer off behind the nurses this and they didn't talk to my wife right and she's forcing food to go down my wife's mouth and they didn't dress her I gave her clothes I, I gave her they put why did they put that on her I'm thinking all of that and God shut me down because it's beneath the level of where my devotion should be so this yes this is not me lying stealing cheating no uh, this is being inappropriate privately with God on the level of how I should be believing. And that's really where there is, that is in everything that I'm doing right now. Now, I, wanna, I want Kenny, because I think that there's, there's a, an aspect of the biological father, and a lot of us have lost that. We don't have a biological father upon the earth. And uh, Romans 8:15 is a powerful verse that says, through the spirit of God, we're adoptive, and now we have a more excellent spirit, not a spirit of bondage, but you've received a spirit of adoption where you can cry, Abba, Father. And I believe that when the spirit of the Lord is upon you, he says, I leave you not like an orphan. I'll send my spirit to you. That you're, the spirit of God in us will, will direct us to connect with a father. So we were talking about um, General Boykin yesterday, and he says that there was a, another general before he had become a general that fathered him. And he says... You know, for the guy died at 95, but during a big portion of his life where he did not have a father, this man was able to interact with him as a son. And I think that's so wholesome. And that's the relationship that I've had with Pastor Kenny and Pastor Palma and Pastor Joey. Um, it's a relationship that is not all encompassing uh, with respect to overpowering and limiting them, yeah. but in the relationship, just... Uh, launching them to higher ground to more uh, expansive reality first um, Corinthians 4:15 says like this he says you might have 10,000 mentors and instructors but you're not going to have many fathers in Jesus Christ I begot you in the gospel I, I became your father could you talk to us about that um, first of all, I was, I was called up here to teach, but I got to tell you, I've been learning more than I've been teaching here today. Um, God is good, and um, it's an honor to, to be with you guys here, um, not just with your word, but with your lives. And, um, and that speaks volumes, and, and you know, the, the, the verse that Pastor shared, that put before this one about that we didn't receive a, a spirit of bondage, I believe that a lot of people put an excuse and, oh, I didn't have a father to follow. Um, and then so they abandoned the faith. They abandoned their walk with the Lord, their responsibility in the Lord. But 
those, I've seen so many people walk into this place that didn't have a, a, a father present in their house and they've embraced uh, the father who's a father to the fatherless. And, um, and they've been able to pass on something that is a miracle to do. To pass down a blessing to your children. You know, I, uh, my wife and I, we, um, we, we got four children and we have always dreamed, it was a dream, as, as, as these kids were growing up, that they would love and serve the house of the Lord. And when they were little, we didn't want to uh, manufacture or fabricate Christians in our home. We wanted them to have a heart for the Lord where they wanted to serve the Lord, where they wanted to worship the Lord. Like, like David says to, in Psalm 27, 4, I desire to be in the house of the Lord. I wanted that my children would desire to be in the house of the Lord. Yes, yes. So how, Lord, our prayer has been, Lord, how do we transfer that over to them? How do we, um, I'll tell you, it, it starts with, with, with a few things. I mean, there's been a lot of things taught here today, but... Um, it, 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 it's about showing up and being connected. And, and it started with my wife and I being connected to the work of God and, and, and not lacking in, uh, I, I said it on, on Friday, that the big, one of the biggest impacts in this church has been the men's ministry. And it's been what's been poured into my life. And, the, and the, the fact that I was discipled by my youth pastor, which was Pastor Joaquin back in the day, that was all a pouring into my life. And that's a foundation that was set. He was transferring that desire of the Lord. I saw an example of somebody who desired for the house of the Lord. And that brought that desire. And I want to pass that to the next generation. I want to pass that to my kids. I, I, um, I have an 18-year-old. I have a 16-year-old. Uh, a little girl that's going to be 15 next week. <laughs> yeah. And the a, Bible and, calls her a young woman. A young woman, yeah. She's a young woman. Yeah, it's tough. And, uh, and a 13-year-old boy, so I got three boys and a girl. Yeah, yeah. And they all have a heart, a desire for the house of the Lord. I can't, there's no way that I can keep them home. They will fight to be here. They don't want to give excuses on their Friday nights and Saturday nights not to show up to youth group. They want to be in the house of the Lord. They desire it. And it isn't something you fabricate. It is something you show them with your life. And that changes lives. And so I, I love 1 Chronicles 13, 14, if we can put that up. And it says that the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house for three months. I mean, this guy took advantage. He had the ark of the Lord. He had the presence of God. And he decided to say, I'm going to bring the ark of God into my house. So what he's been living in and out, day and night, going to church, being in his temple, he says, I'm going to bring that home to see that if I can cultivate a desire in my children. And so for three months, it says the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom. And it says the Lord blessed that house and all that he had. And you know that the Bible uh, talks about their family. He had eight children. And the Bible says that they all served in the house of the Lord. And their grandchildren too. That's the blessing of transferring that over to not just the next generation, but the grandchildren. 
And then there'll be that desire. There'll be that. And it's all about that walk that you have with the Lord. If, I, if, if you let me a little bit more here. Absolutely. It's about walking worthy. Are you walking in a way that God would consider worthy? Psalm 128 verse 1 says that blessed is the one, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. And so how do you fear the Lord? How can I fear the Lord so that my kids would fear the Lord? Well, you got to walk in his ways. Don't be a, there's a walkie-talkie. You guys know what a walkie-talkie is? I always say this. And then there's a talkie-walkie, which doesn't make sense. So you, it's not about talking the walk. It's about walking what you talk and what you preach. And so if you want to fear the Lord, you got to walk in his ways. You fear the Lord with your feet, not your feelings. If you're not moving in the fear of the Lord, you don't fear God no matter how spiritual you feel. That's good. That's awesome. Verse 2 here's the result of this here's the fruit of this we already know that the fruit what i shared earlier the fruit of a man not being present is a cursed land well here's a man who walks righteously before his family he walks righteously fearing the lord before his family it says when you eat the labor of your hands right there you're just you're going to enjoy the fruit of your labor I'm enjoying the fruit of my labor of all that was poured into me and the fact that I never wanted to miss a, a, a Monday night a Wednesday night service even my youth group days I never wanted to miss that all that labor and all that work and serving in the house of the Lord today I'm enjoying the fruit of that labor and it says and it shall be and it says you shall be happy and it shall be well with you verse 3 your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. The proof that a man fears the Lord is the change he sees in his wife. Good. That's proof that a man fears the Lord. If there's a change in his wife, if the change is not showing up in his wife, then he has to question, how much do I fear God? Am I walking worthy to the call that God has placed over my life because of his fear of God because of his fear of God it should bring about a change it should cultivate a change in the home not just to the wife but it says here your children like olive plants all around your table you see a vine is beautiful and a vine is fruitful and here it's it's saying that she's bearing fruit within her house but your children like olive plants you're raising children as you sit around the table with them. And a lot of men aren't showing up to the dinner table. And I'll tell you, a lot of our good talks have been on that dinner table. Yes. In the dinner table, there's been talks on discipline. In the dinner table, there's been a transparency of talking about their day and the conversations that they have with their friends. And there's been up the most, the greatest opportunities we've had to have with our children, to impart life in them, has been in those moments when you're eating and you're having a good time and you get to impart. There's an open door because there's a conversation that they said, there's a need that they have, there's a, 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 an issue that they're going to, there's an open door for you to speak into their lives. 
And it is, it, it's, it's, it's around the table where behavior is in order. It's where devotions take place. It's not just for eating, it's for leading. And I want to say, men, it's your responsibility to lead the home. When the Lord tells us in Ephesians 6, 4, that to train up the child in the ways of the Lord, in the admonition of the Lord, in the discipline of the Lord, it's saying right there, right on the top of that, that it's, the, it's for the fathers. It's your responsibility to raise up your children. Now, women, it's to help when the man's not there, when the man's not around, for you to discipline and instruct the child as well. But it's ultimately your responsibility not to be like Adam and says, no, it was the wife you gave me. You're the one that allows the snake to get into the garden if the snake is there. So it's your responsibility to, like in the word, in, in the beginning, the Lord told Adam, you are to tend it and you are to keep it. To tend the garden is to provide for it, is to nourish it. To keep it is to protect it. Protect it from what? Protect it from the snake. Protect it from what comes into your house. You should be connected with what they're connected with. Their devices. Don't allow the enemy to come in through what we watch, through what we hear. You are the protector. You are the watchman of your house. So don't let the enemy have victory or have a party in your house. And guess what? If he defeats the man, he defeats the home. That's right. If you were the devil and you had a plan, you'd go after the man. And that's why there's so many little men. That's why the Lord, that's why the Bible says, I can't find a man that can stand in the gap. But will that be you? Will that be you that would rise up and walk? Not forget about talking. How is your life being an impact to your home, to those around you, to your wife? So that she could be like a vine that would be fruitful. She's giving fruit all over, all day in the home. We are enjoying that. Not just me. Happy wife, happy life. Not just me. I'm enjoying it. But my children get to eat from that fruit yes, of a godly woman. But it starts with a man to walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Dr. Molina, my father, to come forward. I'm going to have him uh, have the last word, but not before Bishop follows Kenny up on your last contribution this morning. There's a chapter that I, I'd love for you to look at and just read through it. I can't go through it right now because I want the dad to, to be able to say his word. But it's when Jeff, 18th of 18th chapter of Exodus. And it's when Jethro's, which is Zipporah's, his wife's father, came to visit Moses. I want you to see, now here Moses, this man who had a God said, and, and Moses had sent Zipporah and his two children to, his, to their granddaddy. And, and they told the wife and two children. Yeah, there we go. There we go. 
That looks like it right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's all right. We like we 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 got we a little senior. We got a little shorter, but we still, you know, we don't care. You know, we're going up. We're going up. Down is up in the economy of God, isn't it? Saying, just saying. So, but but there's still something amazing here about Moses' respect and honor for his wife's daddy. And in the 18th chapter of Exodus, you can look at this, and I'm just will just just recount a couple of things that are important to understand. I mean, maybe your spouse's parents aren't everywhere you are in God, but I've said this before: they produced that woman, or they produced that man that you ended up marrying. So there's something about those parents that's still awesome that you need to honor. And Moses actually did that to Jethro. When he came, now with his wife, because now they're coming to see Moses. Man, Moses gave this man some incredible honor and respect. And it showed you his heart, which is important because you got somebody that God chose to lead not only people out of the bondage of Israel, but what they would become as a people. I mean, that's some powerful stuff. So I want to just go to you and say this. None of your assignments in your connection with God is small. You are a major child of God who's going to do something amazing. The, the challenge of the devil is to tell you that which is beneath you and to make you not live up to the standard of your father's call on your life. You are a major child of God. Tell the devil he's a liar. And then begin to understand what God has brought to you in your life and the benefit of it. So in this case, this man knew how to treat somebody who's been with God. Now a man that didn't know God the way Moses he bows to him and listens to him and honors him and tells him, takes him into the tent, brings his leaders in there, tells him what he's been through. But then beyond that, the next thing I want you to see is that Moses wasn't handling the people right. His father-in-law, Jethro, told him, man, look, this is not the way you do it. You, you can't handle all these things. You're going to kill yourself and you're going to wear them out and all this. Moses took what he said in the right spirit implemented the new plan and practically uh, allowed, this is the process, Moses to reproduce people, sons after his kind spiritually. So these people listening to Moses, listening to his father, Moses was able to produce somebody who could oversee all the people and then when things got so hard for them, Moses then took those, those things. The thing he's trying to do is produce sons and daughters who can, his work would be sweatless because you are doing the job. So you're not just, watch this, come to church. Now, this church I told you I was at in Colorado Springs at 15,000. Not how many you can get in, but how many you can send out. How many of you are available to be sent out to reproduce what you're becoming 
in God. Doesn't matter how old you are. It's how available you are. If you understand that God's given you a time to have a father, sow into you truths and principles so that you can take them somewhere. So yesterday we were at dinner and there was a table next to me and this guy, they had two sons. I said, you're going to have a little girl? You, got, you have another one? They said, no, 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 we had enough, we had enough. I said to them, what do you mean you had enough? They said, well, two is two, you know, that's challenging enough. I said, but somebody's children is leading the whole world. Why shouldn't they be yours? See, they were thinking about their welfare and the discomfort of child rearing. While I said, wouldn't a little girl like, look, look at him. He's this tall. The little boy's this tall. Now, a little girl, wouldn't that be great? Hey, dad, to have that little girl get in your arms and for you to have to. He said, no, 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 no. He didn't understand not just the reason for being a husband and a father, but he didn't understand the reason for having children. Now, some of you, I just want to just end it with this. <laughs> I'm leaving for someone, and I saw him this morning. I was sitting in my car when they came in. And then when I discovered that he had gone with the pastor, they're believing for children. Now, you tell me God, unless they had the sense that God wanted them to raise only spiritual children, that God is not going to give them children. He makes the body. He can make conception happen. Now here is somebody while they're done. They want God to stop. And they're probably done the thing that make it not happen. But I've seen that work the opposite way. You try to have the children not come. And they came anyway. There is the young man that went with you. When I saw his heart again. I'm just saying on the line. There's going to be conception. Amen. There is. They're going to bear children. Amen. They're going to be amazing. And because they're demonstrating, it would do the kingdom of God well yes, by the way he's doing his wife and the way his wife is doing him. And also the way he's submitting, submission, sub under mission destiny. He's under the destiny of God. And the blessings of Genesis is be fruitful and multiply. So I'm saying that to you spiritually. Take everything you see is going out to you as yours and go ahead and build your world. And so there's going to be so that he's got you now. This is, he never lets anybody look. He don't care about no buildings. He lets you see a building. Didn't you see that today? Did you see that today? He let you see the building. So Pastor Palmer said to me, I'm believing God. Every time I see Pastor Palmer, this is how I am. Has God changed your economic position yet? Has he given you a vision for your company to increase? Because he has it in his heart to get enough money so that he would not have to do fundraising. He could just buy the building and let him. Because why? The geographical identity of this ministry. Sure, he's already said it's you. But wouldn't it be good for all the stuff, the little girls you saw dancing and all this stuff, if they had something better than what's on Broadway, yes. right here in this church and this city representing. So just start believing. Let's see this thing explode, not only with you biologically, but an economic explosion, crazy money happen because it's only going to produce what you see in seed form can become massive because the seed is good. And it includes you. So just say this one prayer after me. Heavenly Father, 
Heavenly Father, I'm good ground, I'm good ground for the word that's going forth. For the word that's going Thank forth. you for bringing me in this company. Thank you for bringing me in this company. In this family. In this family. Try me, Lord. Lord, with crazy resources, with crazy resources, so that we can represent you, so that we can represent even you. geographically, even geographically, so that people are taking pictures of our campus, so people see our campus to their church, to their church, to their country, to their country. Do it, God. Do it, God. We give you glory for it, and we'll give you glory for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's what I believe. You got one, Dan. Um, one of the things I want to say before my dad speaks is I believe that this ministry is birthed out of his loins. That meaning that there's a certain desire in our heart amongst all the leadership to honor this man. And to honor him means to listen to his heart. And I think that that's what a son does. He doesn't consider it burdensome but to live for the father's pleasure. Dad, I just wanted to ask you what you think God is doing this morning. What just happened? I could get uh, many religious Christian uh, words from the Bible. That's what the people are doing around. But they're giving an example. With your life, no many people could do that. And I myself, I'm surprised to see all of you sitting down here. And it all had a beginning. And my prayer this morning is uh, for all of you here today, don't be of double-minded, please. Don't lie to your kids. Don't lie to me or try to do that because you won't lie to God. One day, and I close to that, I'm going to be called the call that every Christian is waiting for, to be in the presence of the truth. And I won't make any excuse. So be responsible on this walk, please. Do that for me. Do that for your kids, for your grandkids, because this is going to happen to you too. So you won't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of what I did when I first received Jesus. And I told whoever it was I'm going to serve him. And it's been more than 30 years that we're doing that. You, I quit my career, I quit my family, I quit my, my everything in order to get here. And don't have anyone come and tell the pastor of this church or their uh, believers, you are this and this, and be ashamed in front of everybody. 
That won't happen to him because I took my time, I left my career, and I dedicate myself to be an honest, truthful man, believing in the great, great, great God. Yes, Don't be of yes. double-minded, please. You may start today, and you could do that as I did it. Yes, sir. And I hope I will end that way, not ashamed of the man that I believe, God, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Again, I would be remiss if I don't invite Mr. Jose Diaz to come forward. He is my wife's father. That's right. And this man, I asked him to come forward. I told this man, thank you for everything you did to make a woman like this. Ah. And, and the world has to see this. We honor fathers. The heart of the people of God. The Bible says in Romans that to us are the patriarchs. You can't walk on this earth without a patriarch, without a father. And call yourself a son of God. Brief, sir. We got to go. <laughs> Take a chance. Muchas gracias. Buenos días. Thank you. Es un día bonito. This is a beautiful day. This is un día para los padres se sientan bien. And it's a day to celebrate and make fathers feel well. Pero para mí, yo me siento bien todos los días por mis hijas. And I'm blessed by my daughters. As every a father, day. every day. What we've heard here this morning has been impressive. It's been truth. Those who feel that God is with them must live and act like so. If you want to live in victory and have the results of living right in victory. There's a lot of young fathers here. And they're trying to do the best they can. And the best thing you could decide for is to follow Christ. Cada vez que tenemos que hablar de nuestras hijas. When we have to talk about our, our daughters. My, my, mi my wife and yo, I. Que por los, déjeme decirle que esto, es, esto ha sido <coughs> las criaturas de Dios, no mía. They've yo, been what God has formed and not my work. Fue mi señora y yo. My wife and I joined. Teniendo, queriendo. Wanting to see. As, eh, ser, tener un hogar que, to have que, a home que adora al Señor. that worships God que el de eso because the result of worshiping God as a family es la will bring you victory eso lo yo no sabía ser padre. and I learned this through the time because I didn't know how to be a father Ni sabía cómo ser nor esposo. did I know how to be a husband Pero él, me guió y me enseñó el día de hoy. And he taught me to be so. Yo les digo que hoy me siento feliz y muy orgulloso. Porque tengo un hijo político, pero es mi hijo también. Pero yo lo siento que fuera mi propio hijo, porque mi hijo. Porque mis sentimientos 
son los de él. Are what he expresses. Y como él expresa lo que Dios el Padre quiere, it's my same me siento muy orgulloso del trabajo que está haciendo. I love the work that's happening here and I'm proud of what's going on. Quisiera acompañarlo en todos sus viajes porque yo me gozo con I eso. Love him with him also. I would like Las circunstancias no lo permiten. Sometimes I cannot go. Pero me gustaría, estoy en espíritu estar con él en todo el tiempo y con todos los, todos los hermanos que lo acompañan. Que Dios los bendiga. God bless you. Permita que el Señor se Father, we thank you for what you've done here this morning. I pray that the spirit that is strong in this place would be the sentiment of sons that want to bring pleasure and honor to the Father. Father, that we might show forth that light in a fatherless generation where people are walking in rebellion and disobedience. They're being distancing themselves from the Father's heart. They've become orphans and prodigals and illegitimate. We pray that you would heal your people, heal the hearts of all of us that are here, Lord, with all the baggage that we drag from our childhood age so that we might finish well. And the patriarch of this house said, please, please stop being double-minded. You can't be at two places at the same time. Father, we pray your blessing upon our family, upon this church, upon every father that leads a home, Because each one of those families has a hero that represents God in their home. God's priority, God's pursuit, God's prosperity, provision, protection. We pray right now in Jesus' name that we would continue to father the fatherless in this house and in places abroad. That they might hear the Father's voice through admonition, instruction, correction, and discipline, chastening, so that we not go wayward that we not be far from the Father's house. We pray your blessing upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Tomorrow we have men's meeting at 8 o'clock, men's meeting tomorrow night. On the way out, there's a treat, or just the Father's? For everyone, there's a treat for everyone on the way out to celebrate Father's Day at Spring of Life. God bless you.